0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. As Detroit faces the possibility of losing thousands of affordable housing units because of expiring low-income tax credits, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan's administration is trying to show that it's serious about trying to make sure housing is affordable, and that longtime residents don't get displaced. The city announced yesterday that it's partnering with six organizations to preserve and expand affordable housing here in the city. The goal is to make sure there are 10,000 affordable housing units in the city by 2023. How realistic is that goal, and what exactly will the city and its partners do? to achieve it. That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And we've got two people involved with this effort here to help us discuss it. Julie Schneider is the Deputy Director of the City of Detroit's Housing and Revitalization Department. Julie, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Also with us is Melinda Clements. She is the Vice President and Detroit Market Leader for Enterprise Community Partners. Melinda, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: So let's first talk about the situation that the city faces right now. What is it about these low-income housing tax credits and their expiration that threatens the future of affordable housing here in the city? Julie?
1: Well, good morning, and thank you again for having us today. Mm-hmm. So in the city, there's there's actually approximately about 22,000 existing affordable housing units, about 10,000 of which are... Are currently nearing their expiration, and as we look to build and create more affordable housing, we can't be losing our existing affordable housing in the meantime. Uh, we need a net net more, not net the same. If uh, we are are losing any. Secondly, Detroiters live in these existing affordable housing units. Mm-hmm. They deserve quality housing. They deserve to. Um, feel safe and secure in that housing and so this effort is meant to to make sure that, that that happens for them. So talk about what happens
0: when these low-income housing tax credits expire if they were just allowed to expire what would happen to the housing uh, that, that 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 exists it would it would become what?
1: It could convert to market rate housing. hmm and rents would increase rapidly, especially if they're in an area where the, the rents are rising. Or as housing ages, it becomes, um, they, they need system replacements. They just need kind of regular maintenance. And so deteriorating condition makes it harder for them to be maintained and for people to continue to live in them.
0: Yeah, uh, Melinda, give us an overview of how difficult it is to find affordable housing in certain areas of the city and talk a little more about what affordable housing actually is, what that term actually means.
2: Again, thank you for having me today, Steven. Mm-hmm. So, about 1 in 4 people nationwide in in the city of Detroit as well, who qualify for affordable housing are actually able to secure affordable housing. And affordable housing is defined as payments that are 30% of your income or less. And so while we have a number of units that qualify for that, we have much more demand, as Julie was saying, than we have inventory for those units.
0: Mm -hmm. And and how hard is it, to find these affordable units in the city i mean as the city changes as neighborhoods change and more people sort of move in with more money and and resources and uh, you know capital uh, w- is it becoming harder to f- to find these these units in in places that people want to live
2: well we've seen that historically where there's been areas of large investment where traditionally affordable apartment complexes have turned to market rate. And so I think it was very wise of the city to come up with a strategy to stop the units from converting, but also to try to add additional units.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so how realistic is it to talk about being able to preserve these, these units? I mean, uh, given the market changes, uh, given the, the, the difficulties that, that landlords often have with uh, maintaining these kinds of, of properties. Is it realistic to talk about this the way that uh, the city is framing it?
2: I think it's very realistic. We put together a stellar team to address all aspects of affordable housing preservation, whether it's energy efficiency or tenant rights or recapitalizing the existing units. Um so I think it is realistic given the team that we've put together and the time frame and the tools that we have under our tool belt. Yeah.
0: Uh Julie, can you talk more specifically about the kinds of things that you guys will be doing that will help preserve these affordable housing units?
1: Sure. So I th- think what's really unique uh, about this work is that there uh, there will be efforts to work directly with residents to make sure that their voices are heard as a part of this process. Uh, we will be doing energy audits of buildings, which will result in the reduction in utility costs for, for tenants. Uh, what Melinda and the team will be doing is working Working with developers to identify what the the path forward for preserving the existing affordable housing. So identifying what's what buildings are are most at risk, um, working with those with those developers, and working with other teams of developers that are interested in, in preserving affordable housing. The United Community Housing Coalition is a member of the team. They will be working directly with with residents to, to make sure that tenants' voices are heard in the process. Elevate Energy will be doing energy audits. Data-Driven Detroit will be helping us create the database and doing prioritization work. So I, I think that we've really tried to think about a comprehensive team to really build the the infrastructure of preserving affordable housing and really build that into the culture of development that we are, are not interested in displacing our residents by losing our existing affordable housing.
0: Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today i on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've tuned in. My guests are Julie Snyder. She is the Deputy Director of the City of Detroit's Housing and Revitalization Department. Also with us is Melinda Clemens. She is Vice President and Detroit Market Leader for Enterprise Community Partners. We're talking about an announcement that the Duggan administration here in the city of Detroit is now trying to focus on making sure that we don't lose affordable housing units when the low-income tax credits that make them possible expire. There is a massive effort involving six different organizations to make sure that 10,000 affordable housing units that uh, are due to expire don't end up uh, making it more difficult for people of little means to find decent housing here in the city of Detroit. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and let us know what you think. As cities like Detroit attract new development and new residents, what do you think they should be doing to make sure that residents who are here and don't have a lot of money don't get forced out? We especially want to hear from you. If you're somebody who has been priced out of a housing market or feel like you've been priced out of a housing market here in the city, uh, have you experienced increasing rents uh, that made you have to move to a different place? Uh, Do you feel like the neighborhood that you live in here in the city of Detroit is changing rapidly and changing in a way that maybe makes it more difficult for you be there. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Before we get to listeners, uh, Julie, this data-driven Detroit uh, database of all the affordable housing in the city, uh, with, uh, with its tax credits and when they expire is a huge, huge undertaking. And it seems like a critical part of, of all of this. Talk a little more about how that will help the efforts that, uh, that, that you guys are leading.
1: Sure. So it's, uh, it's much easier to, to preserve if you know what you know what you have and know what you're you're working with. So we've been through the, the past couple of years working with our partners at the US Department of Housing and Urban Development and the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, or HUD and, and MISTA respectively, to identify the existing affordable housing. So we have been been doing that, identifying where that housing is, what kind of markets are in, what kind of Rents they're charging, so we can start to really identify what the the change might be. Uh, you can actually see the existing affordable housing that exists in the city today by going to uh, the Housing and Revitalization Department's website, which is DetroitMI.hrd, and and search for uh, affordable housing uh, on that on that website. So we've been doing that, and I think that. It's, we've also been trying to add the a database of naturally occurring affordable housing, which mm-hmm. is housing that is providing uh, rents at lower rates but is not is not regulated and so as we see rents increase in the city, it's important that we uh, try to preserve that housing as well and so we're building a database that includes that as well
0: mm. uh, and Melinda um, you at uh, community partners at enterprise community partners. You guys have a community dashboard as well. Uh, Talk about how that works.
2: Yeah. So we have through our Opportunity 360, we have a dashboard in which you can find information on a neighborhood given a census tract, and you can compare that with regional and state data. So what that really does is help you, number one, plan on the outcomes that you want for an area of Detroit, but well, actually, for the nation, but then also you can overlay census tracts and see how a particular neighborhood compares to others.
0: And and if you do that right now in the city, uh, is it is it evident the way that things are sort of changing and that the way that the city is changing? I mean, is that sort of made clear by by these these indicators on the dashboard?
2: So absolutely. So you can definitely see that there are pockets of the city where rents are rising and outcomes are changing. What we want to do is we want positive outcomes in high opportunity areas, but we also want to make sure that people who live in those areas historically have are able to take advantage of that. And so through that dashboard, we'll also be able to see over, because you can look back in time really using that dashboard to see what areas are on the brink of change or on the brink of gentrifying so we can get ahead of the curve versus being reactionary. Yeah, Uh,
0: Let's go to listeners. And again, if you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Mark in Detroit, you're up next. What's on your mind?
3: Hi, good morning. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, for those of us who don't understand the whole story about tax credits, for the developers or the, uh, the current owners, how that whole system works. Because from the little I do understand, I know there's a, there's a way they can basically, uh, maybe for lack of a better uh, explanation on my part, cash in, and they can actually trade these between uh, entities. Hmm. Uh, so the whole tax credit uh, thing on, on affordable housing, I think that needs to be explained a little more for those of us. Who don't quite understand it?
0: Yeah, Mark, I'm really glad you called and and asked that question, uh, Julie Snyder. This seems like uh, your area. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I will uh, try to um, put this in a, a way that's um, as easy to understand as possible because it is is quite complicated. It's pretty complicated. Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, so, the state of Michigan and all state all states have housing agencies, and they are allocated tax credits through the the tax code and the the U.S. Treasury Department. And so states are allocated tax credits based on their population, demographics, income, age, uh, etc. And so the state of Michigan, twice a year, puts out a notice of funding availability through what's called their Qualified Allocation Plan. And... Makes credits available statewide, and so developers then request tax credits, which a developer um, is is really looking to to request credits that will end up in the the equity side of a of a of a deal. Mm-hmm. And so, if a developer is allocated tax credits through what is a, a highly competitive process in the state of Michigan, but really every state. They then take the value of those credits, which are good for, the value extends over a 10-year period of time, and they will, those credits will be sold through a syndicator. Um, that the tax credits come back to the, the project as, as equity, which gets invested in the deal. Typically, a development might receive, say, a million dollars in tax credits, but that is actually worth Think of it as a million times times ten years or or ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. It gets sold on the market, sometimes at often at less than, than a dollar value, probably about 90, 90 cents on the dollar. And so that money goes back into the deal. In exchange for receiving those tax credits, which can only be used for affordable housing, restrictions are placed on how how much rent can be charged for that development and the length of time. And low-income housing tax credits are currently the the largest and and one of the one of the real only games in town mm-hmm. um, nationwide to develop affordable housing currently. Yeah. There used to be other kinds, but now that's really what there and,
0: is. And the reason, I mean that's a that that's a great explanation of something that I would not have been able to explain <laughs> to Mark <laughs> myself. Um, uh, but but one of the reasons that you have to do it that way and that it ha- that it has become so complicated is that there's not a lot of incentive to do this if you're a developer if you're creating housing the idea of creating housing that's affordable just is not often in your minds is that is that right melinda
2: Yes, that's right. But also the financial aspect of it just doesn't work. The cost to build is higher than the cost of rents typically, even in market rate, non-subsidized transactions. And so to offer the deep affordability that is needed in affordable housing, you have to have some kind of way to make up that difference in rent. And that's what the tax credit equity tries to do.
0: Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about affordable housing in the city of Detroit. And we're going to continue to hear from you, Stephanie in Detroit, John in Dearborn. We'll get to you next. If you want to join them, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
3: Six outstanding agencies who will be partnering with us, people who really know how these uh, agreements are structured, and they will go deep into every one of these projects because our goal is every one of those 10,000 affordable units stays affordable uh, for the long term.
0: You're listening to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. My guests are Julie Schneider, Deputy Director of the City of Detroit's Housing and Revitalization Department, and Melinda Clemens, who is Vice President and Detroit Market Leader for Enterprise Community Partners. We're talking about the announcement yesterday about an effort to preserve more affordable housing here in the City of Detroit. That was Mayor Mike Duggan that you heard talking about what uh, is going on here in terms of coordinating a number of different organizations, all of whom have a little piece of the affordable housing picture here in Detroit to make sure that 10,000 affordable housing units that are set to expire, their low-income tax credits are set to expire soon, uh, don't result in Detroiters being displaced, don't result in low-income Detroiters not having decent places to live. Uh, as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019, that's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Stephanie in Detroit. Stephanie, welcome to the yes, show. Yes,
4: good morning. Hi. Good morning. I talk to you often, Stephen. Uh-huh. I uh, live on Taylor uh-huh. and uh, near your project. Uh-huh. And I just want to say, I think her name is Mrs. Snyder? Yeah. Snyder. Uh-huh. Okay. Um this housing and urban development for seniors is just unbelievable. I moved back into the house I was born in and you know I'm 71 years old and I'm just unbelievable, I'm speechless to hear about this this morning because I am part of the project and it is just I want more people to know the great things that I am not saying, you know that there are not great things, that there are not things that need to be improved in Detroit. Mm -hmm. But Mayor Duggan has done a fabulous job. I don't care what anybody says. You know, the war for yesterday. But this revitalization program is just unbelievable. The number of people that are getting new roofs, getting getting gutters, getting uh, mold taken out of their basements and all, is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for having them on this morning. And because
0: you had them on, I'm going to write WDET a check. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> we appreciate that as always, Stephanie. Uh, and I appreciate the call uh, and the comments. It is an interesting question that Stephanie raises about the, 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 the effort here, the amount of effort and the coordination of effort. Um, I think that's the thing that, that maybe separates this from, from what we might have done in the past.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, in the in the past, I think that, in, as you you can see in in some other cities that have gone through uh, growth, that they haven't put a focus on preserving affordable housing. And so, the work that we're trying to do here with so many partners is to both take action and make sure that that network is built for the long term and. There's the six organizations. There are many people that are working, working very hard there uh, every single day to make sure that Detroiters' housing is is preserved, or affordable housing is created, or or housing is repaired. And so, um, just so glad that we're able to continue this work and and make sure that we're we're serving Detroiters. Mm. Uh, let's go to John in Dearborn. John, welcome to Detroit
0: today. Hello.
3: Good morning. Um, I live in senior subsidized housing in Dearborn and 150 unit building. And I think it's so sad because, as you said, about one out of four people who qualify for affordable housing are able to get it. And a significant number of people in the 150 units here pay full market value uh... full market rent which is around 700 or so dollars and they're taking the uh, spot away from someone who cannot afford to live in non-subsidized rent is there a way that we can prevent that from happening because i think we we really need people who cannot afford to be living in these places rather than people who, in fact, can afford living in other non-subsidized rental
0: locations? Yeah. John, great question.
1: So, uh, John, I think that it, there's two two routes that I would encourage you to pursue. Uh, one, it depends on, on who originally finance the the building whether it was the US Department of Housing and Urban Development or whether it was mista um, developers are are required to abide by their contractual obligations to provide rents at the the rates that they say they're going to provide them in exchange for the financing that they receive so i would i would contact the local detroit hud field office and they can Probably provide you information on on that particular building. Um, I would call them first, and if uh, they if it's a Mishta Finance building, I would recommend uh, reaching out to to them. But I would start with HUD. So, so,
0: so I mean, there's it, a sort of a larger question there about how we make sure that these units and the subsidies go to the right people, the people who need them the most. Uh, I think that that sort of in the background of what John's talking about there.
2: And I think too, it depends on the initial financing structure. So you do have um, developments that have market rate included with subsidized units. So it could be a situation in this case where the structure was a mix of both of both unit types.
1: Yeah. So to I think get to the the background of of his question. So I it, the city of Detroit we have, if, if we are uh, contributing to uh, development, we are, as as is HUD and as is Mishta, we require annual income certifications. Um, and each developer to submit us a, a whole lot of paperwork to um, make sure that they are in compliance with what they say they're going to do. We also do regular yearly yearly visits to the property to make sure that that they are in compliance. Um, I would likely suspect that that Dearborn has a, a similar policy. I think in the city of Detroit, with a larger city, we get more money for affordable housing from the federal government, so it allows us to have more expanded programs than some of the other air municipalities in the region. Hmm. Let's go to Ronald in Detroit. Ronald.
0: Yes, I Open have
3: the- a question for you now. Uh-huh. I plan. I would like to move, but I can't. I can't afford to move. What do you do with people that that uh, you, you know, like those places with the uh, guy called a few minutes ago? Uh, when your income is too much to get in and too uh, too little to stay out in the middle of a high place, what, what do a, a person do then? He, then you. Then what about those who not able to? So you you say go to computers you can find information through the computer, but everybody's mm-hmm. not able to, to use computer. What what would you do with those kind of people?
0: Yeah, Ronald, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, you know, this is a city where lots of people don't don't have access to the help that that exists, can't get to information uh, that they need. But but one of the other things that I think Ronald is 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 bringing up here is that sort of. Uh, middle sort of existence that people have where they're not quite poor enough perhaps for affordable housing but they don't feel like they have enough income uh, to choose where to live in in the neighborhoods where, where they are I think that's a that's a it's a different dimension of the problem but it is absolutely related Melinda.
2: I would agree. And I think that's why it's so important for us to preserve the 10,000 units that we've set our target on. That includes units on a spectrum of rental ranges. So it could be anywhere from $100 a month up to $700 a month. And so this individual who called in, which I'm glad he did, really pointed to the problem of there needs to be a need for um, what's termed workforce housing, right? So that's housing that's not subsidized, mm-hmm. but for individuals who may not qualify for vouchers or a subsidy program. And so that type of housing is also included in this through our work with naturally occurring affordable housing. Yeah.
0: Uh, what about this idea of making sure people get access to information and to the things that, that uh, can support them uh, Julie, the, one of the one of the problems in the city, as Ronald points out, is 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 access access to things like the internet, access uh, physical access to to be able to go to 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 find out about things. What are we What are we doing to reach people?
1: So, as I as I mentioned earlier, the first thing we we did to really try to. Help people find affordable housing is is make sure that it's that it's listed on a website. To to the caller's point, that if he doesn't have regular computer access or he um, doesn't um, uh, have the the doesn't doesn't use it regularly, uh, what we've what we've been doing is we're in the process of of developing different programs to reach people within their in their neighborhoods. Now, as I, as I mentioned before, part of this work is to really build the infrastructure to, around preserving affordable housing, around making sure that people are able to, to access it. And so we have a, a, lot of, a lot of work to do, and we are continuing to do so, so that it's not just a, a digital presentation of information, but people can go and, and talk to people or call people yeah. to get that information um, there are uh, a couple organizations in the city that do have a lot of information on where to find affordable housing. Um, I, uh, uh, I would, uh, I hope UCHC doesn't mind, UCHC, but they're often yeah. a, a strong partner and, yeah. and are able to, to help.
0: Yeah. UCHC, who are good friends of the show here on Detroit Today and come on frequently to talk about housing issues here in the city. Okay, Julie Snyder, Deputy Director of the City of Detroit's Housing and Revitalization Department, and Melinda Clemens, Vice President and Detroit Market Leader for Enterprise Community Partners. It was really great to have you here for this discussion. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow, hope you will too. We're going to recap the Michigan primary results and talk presidential politics with someone who's covered a lot of those things, Ron Fournier. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.